You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. All right, welcome back to Partnernomics Podcast. I'm Mark Brigman, and today we've got uh, Mr. Greg Unruh with us. Greg, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, Mark. So I know uh, today we're going to be talking about operationalizing partnerships. And Greg and I, man, we talk about this a lot. The, the easy part to this whole world of strategic partnering or biz dev is, is getting a deal signed. Not always easy, but it's the easier part. Uh, the, the part that uh, really that takes a lot of effort, a lot of challenge is once the baby's born, now we've got to get results out of that partnership. And uh, we spend a lot of our time coaching folks on this. Uh, man, this is going to be a lively conversation and something that we're both very passionate about. Yeah. Boy, you know, Mark, there's, a, uh, there's always excitement. In fact, I've worked in organizations or consulted with organizations where you sign up a big partner and they always have a you know, gong in the sales and marketing area. You bang the gong when, they, you know, when you bring on that great new strategic partner or channel partner. Uh, but there's no gong when you lose them. And uh, you lose them because you've, you've maybe failed on uh, preparing yourself operationally. And so uh, I think this could be, this is going to be a fun conversation. So, uh, Greg, we'll see if we include it or not. But uh, before we hit the record button, you actually shared a, a voicemail that you literally had just received uh, from, from some folks that you're doing some work with. And just just describe to us a little bit of kind of what of what that is and how you've heard that same type of a voicemail a hundred plus times before in your career. Yeah, you know, Mark, it's one of those deals that uh, uh, you know it's kind of just exactly what I described. We have a a very large partner we brought into the ecosystem with a lot of influence and a lot of. Uh, just kind of tentacles going into different parts of industry and exposure into clients. So it's a huge sales and distribution partner. Um, and we had talked about this with, uh, with the vendor uh, that we're working with uh, in, in depth about just some of the operational processes and how we, we have to make sure that we're able to scale and support the volume and not just the volume, but the velocity in which that volume comes uh, when you have a very large partner like this that can bring it in. And uh, in this particular case, I hear it all the time, and, and it's just painful to hear it because it, uh, you know, it was a voicemail that came in and, and uh, you know, kind of a frustrated uh, consultant that's, uh, you know, with the other partner that we're working with on the sales and distribution side. Um, you know, he's like, hey, I, you know, I heard we closed a deal yesterday. No one told me about it. I found out about it through the grapevine. Do we have any reporting or visibility on, you know, we've closed three or four deals through his network already. I haven't seen any reporting or, you know, reconciliations for commissions. You know, I've got, you know, I've got 300 people in my, in my direct network that, uh, that are outsourcing and, and bringing opportunities and filling the pipeline with it. But we're not, uh, we don't have any visibility or transparency to actually what's going on. We'd like to have our finger on the pulse of it. And, uh, and all I can say is I agree. <laughs> I agree. We, those things are critically important. And these are things that have been discussed in depth uh, with the vendor. And, 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 you know, ideally you want to address these things proactively. Um, but, you know, they kind of got caught, uh, caught with their pants down a little bit. 
And so now they're, they're having to be put themselves in a reactive situation, which puts the partnership at risk. And so I'm kind of sitting in the middle here trying to, you know, keep the peace and, and be that, uh, that, uh, uh, mitigator between the, between the two to, to kind of get this steered in the right direction, get those processes tightened up. They know what they are. It's just, uh, you know, something that probably should have been addressed, but there's so many moving parts and variables and things that you have to think about in a partnership. It's not just engineering and, and, and making two systems talk to one another. It's not just sales and distribution. There's a whole accounting piece underneath. There's a whole transparency. There's the whole tracking of, of opportunities and lead registration. I mean, there's a million components that, that uh, if those things aren't in place, um, you know, cherish that gong when you bang it, when you bring in that new partner and, 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 and savor that moment because that moment's going to dissipate in a poop of smoke if you don't get those tightened up and you don't have somebody to, to kind of help direction, you know, give you the proper direction on that. So I, just as recent as this morning, um, and I always say this, I, you know, these are always funny conversations because when I, uh, when I like to talk about, I like to talk about success stories as kind of a, a, a reference point and things that are teachable, but I think equally there's kind of a negative teaching moment. And this is one of those negative teaching moments where we're seeing the, you know, the, the more of a reactive than proactive approach and addressing the operational uh, processes, procedures, systems, things that need to be in place. Because uh, once deals start closing, uh, it's too late, uh, too late to, uh, to do that. And so you're going to have to scramble and do some manual processes to kind of, you know, bridge that gap until you can automate those. Uh, so I'm, I'm sitting in that consultative role right now. Uh, uh, my wheels are spinning, as you can imagine. So uh, yeah, so those folks that are listening in, please listen good and, and heed the warning that's, that's here. So essentially we have a, a company that has an amazing, amazing product, which is a double-edged sword because demand is going to be high. Once it hits the streets, demand's gonna be high. But Greg did a lot of work, a lot of groundwork to, to stand up distribution partners to sell this awesome product nationwide. Um, and in the, in the early days, in the very beginning, Greg attempted to put together this foundation of what would need to, to be put in place in order to effectively manage all of the sales that were going to come. And it's like, you know, when it comes, it comes and you have to be ready for it. And so many times companies especially you know younger companies that maybe not don't have all the infrastructure or they've never seen a wave where they've doubled or tripled or quadrupled their sales in a month or two or in a quarter and it can crush companies it can absolutely crush them you know mark there's a and i've heard this in probably the last three or four consulting engagements and these are typically with smaller companies kind of tech startup companies if you will you know probably five years or or younger and just the profile and makeup of that company um, there's this mindset that you know and there, there, there's a positive side to this too they're agile they're nimble they develop in a you know in sprints it can be very quick so they're used to doing things on a pivot they can do things very quickly and from an engineering and development company and move with the market and the trends and that's exciting you know that agility is and nimbleness is is a very good positive 
in that regard because you always have to be innovating. I mean, it's that's just where we are in the world today is you have to be an innovative technology company to keep pace. But on the other side, when you get into the back office and the operational side, it's not so easy. You can't just pivot. And the term I've heard over and over again uh, from executives, hey, listen, we'll address that problem when we have it. We'll rally around it. And rally around it is probably the, probably the three worst words. We'll rally around it. Uh, I just can't. I can't wrap my head around that from a process or operational. There is no rallying around a, you know, getting a solid foundational operational process. And it's one that you, when you do these things, you have to do them thinking in, in the long term. It's not in the short term. You have to think in the long term of how you operationalize things for scale and growth and what do you need to do. I mean, you have to consider, you know, your software purchases, your system purchases, you know, the licenses that you're going to require today, but what are you going to require when, you're, when your sales volume and your partner ecosystem grows four or five X? You have to accommodate for that and you have to put that into your budget, budgetary planning process. I mean, there's so much involved. And that's when I start out on a, you know, when I typically go into an engagement, I typically have a 30, 60, 90 day plan and I try to spell out as best as you can. Um, and it is really important to understand, you know, the executive leadership, the executive buy-in, you know, all the things that we've talked about over and over, they all really come, you know, where the rubber meets the road is on the operational process side, because in order for those things to be laid out and have the funding and the, the support and the endorsement, it's going to require resources. It's going to require uh, development resources, engineering resources. Uh, when you're connecting your, your CRM, your PRM, your accounting practices, your reconciliation reports, because your your vendors or your partners are going to want to, you know, you can't just send them a check. Here's your commission check. Well, yeah, I need to square that up with a reconciliation report. Is your system equipped to provide that? And there's just so many different moving parts. I try to address those things on the front end to set the expectation that, you know, I think a lot of people think, hey, that's great. I can go up and sign up partners. And then, you you know, my next one, okay, so now what? You signed up a partner, now what? what? What's your plan? And nine times out of ten, there is no plan. Yeah. Hey, that's, great partner. Yeah. They got huge market share. Boy, we're going to crush it. It's going to be amazing. They're awesome. We're awesome. And then all of a sudden, no one's awesome because they didn't plan properly. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Well, I mean, the, the being proactive, whenever you're taking your company from maybe five, six, ten direct sales employees, potentially, then you turn around and through a couple of relationships, now you literally have two, three, five hundred people across the country that's now selling your solution. And when well, those has five thousand. We have 5,000 boots on the ground in the field that are, that are pitching and peddling this solution to their clients, their warm doorknobs. So you can imagine not just the volume, but when that comes in, and I, you know, I kind of try to paint a visual. I've got a funnel. And I've got this massive funnel on the top end. Here's the heavy side of the funnel. All of that starts coming in, and your choke point's at the bottom of the funnel. And that's that the choke point is your operations. And if you don't have a big enough pipe at the bottom to manage that volume and that velocity, um, and there's so many different pieces to that to make sure you have in place, if you don't have that, that choke point 
is eventually going to squeeze that partner out of your ecosystem. Uh, it's not going to be sustainable. You go from having a great brand to having a really, really bad brand. You know, if you're known for not delivering, woo, man, that's, that's, that's a bad that's place a death sentence for a company. It's, it's a death sentence or it is years and years and years to try to, to, to wipe off that tarnish. So yeah. no, go ahead. I was going to say, Greg, well, let's, let's, so what is the solution? You know, so let's talk about PRMs and, um, you know, that partner management system that companies should use. And what is a PRM? What does it look like? What will it do for them? How do you stand them up? Uh, educate us a little bit on PRMs. Yeah. So, you know, so there's a lot of confusion in the industry on this. And you talk to clients and they'll say, oh, well, we use Salesforce. We use HubSpot or Dynamic CRM. I said, okay, that's great. I'm glad you have those systems. That's your CRM system. That's your customer relationship system that you use internally to either track your service, your service tickets, your sales process, your pipeline, your funnel. Um, that's intended for internal use. A PRM system is a partner relationship management system, similar to CRM, but it sits in the middle. It's that gateway that sits between your system of record, which might be Salesforce, for example, and then the PRM system, it sits in the middle and is that gateway that you can kind of apply filters and control what, you know, you don't want to give a partner full access to your CRM, we get that. No one wants that. There's things in there that are proprietary to your company and, and maybe messaging and content and things that, that, that you don't want to share externally. The PRM is kind of this filter layer that sits in between and allows that partner to have a controlled and limited view into your sales funnel so that if I'm a, you know, if I, if I registered a lead and that lead went over to my vendor, that lead's going to get registered in their CRM system. They're going to track it through their, their, you know, their normal sales process. But that partner that sourced that lead wants to know what stage is it, where is it, when's it closed. And the reason they want to know that is because they get paid on it. You know, hey, I want to know when this is going to close. This is how I make my money. So how do I, you know, I want to have my finger on the pulse of this without that type of transparency and visibility. And again, you don't have to open up the entire you know, the entire room, you just have to open up a couple little pieces of information. And then on the other, and that's really on the sales operational side of it. The other side of it is you can actually help the success of your partners by, through the PRM, controlling some of the marketing content, some of the messaging, make things available to them that they can, you know, within a PRM, they can actually layer on some of their co-branding and and collateral, but you get to control all of that so that you don't have old or misinformation that's starting to hit the streets through your partners because they saved an old version of something you know, on a desktop. So it's just a, it's a great tool. It's, it's, it's actually just a necessity. You can't have a partner program without it. The alternative to doing that is trying to manage things in emails and Excel spreadsheets, and it's not scalable. Uh, it's certainly not scalable with uh, you know, when you have a very large partner that has a large, uh, you know, field level footprint. Um, so it's a really powerful tool. Um, it's kind of that gateway into the CRM, gives the transparency to the partner, solves a lot of issues. And, it, and what it really does is it promotes self-service. Because if you don't have that, what you have is your phone ringing off the hook with, 
you know, a thousand different people asking questions, whereas you can drive them to the PRM and drive an element of self-service, which is, you know, is going to create the, the satisfaction of the partnership. And this is really important. And There's so many times we talk about wanting to scale, you know, wanting to scale these businesses. The it's RM is, is one of the first steps. I mean, it's, it's an absolute necessity to scale. You have to do it. And here's the thing is unless your company has a widget or a service that's so unique that there's no one else in the world that's ever manufactured or thought of it. It's so innovative and so unique that, that you're a, you know, you're a one trick pony and no one else in the world has it. You have to know that you have competing, competing companies out there that are courting the same partner that you courted and successfully partnered with. If you drop the ball or you fumble the ball with that partner, that partner is going to go look to your competitor. You know what? They fumbled the ball and they fumbled it more than once. It's time for me to go see if I can jump on a new team. And, you know, they're usually looking to solve. They're not looking at the technology per se as much. Does it solve a business gap in my core solution? And if it can address that gap, you know, they partnered with you because, you know, you've convinced and, 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 and sold that your widget's better than anyone else in the market. But it's kind of like an NFL team. There's not a whole lot of distance between the Super Bowl champion and the last in the league because you only got 32. I mean, you got the best of the best. And so there's not a big difference between the winners and losers. There's, you know, from a functional perspective, um, it might be worth the while for a partner to leave a, you know, a relationship and go pursue another relationship, even if it's less functionality, maybe the product's not as mature, but if the operational processes to support them are there, they'll make that move. They'll make that move and they'll give up. Maybe they've got, you know, 90% of what they're looking for in a partner. They'll take 80% with another partner if the operational pieces are there so that things run smoothly. And that it, a lot of companies just don't realize how important that is. It's less stress, less headache, and in the end, it's more money for them. There's oh, it's more money. It's the force multiplier of, you know, taking you. And I used to tell, you know, when I go in with a company that have a direct sales organization, they want to layer on a partner strategy. And we talk about all the different uh, avenues they could take, oftentimes channel. Um, you know, I tell the salespeople that in the direct sales, Hey, listen, I'm just going to make your life easier because I'm going to take what you do today and imagine replicating yourself a hundred times over. And now instead of you going out and, you know, you know, doing 80, hundred calls a day, you're going to make calls to your partner and you're going to make calls and I'm going to, I'm going to square you up with the, you know, with the field level reps and those now become your clients because now you've become a coach and you're going to coach and you're going to teach them to be just like you are and how to go out and secure business and, and, and pitch the solution to their clients. And then you become kind of the closing desk. That's a whole nother operational piece of it that uh, we probably don't have time to get into on this call when we talk about, you know, how you, how you align your resources to, you know, support that kind of co-selling environment as well. Yeah, Greg, so going back to the PRMs, talk to us about what's, what's some of the core functionality that we find in PRMs and then how is it used, right? You had already mentioned there's kind of this knowledge bank that, that we could use. There's a, a repository for all of our marketing materials and marketing information. There's reporting systems. 
tell us, talk to us, if we've never seen a PRM before, what's the different modules that, that we would find and, and how does it help us? Well, you're gonna, the, first, the most important module is going to be your sales module. Your sales module is going to be the deal registration. Um, so think of it almost, when I say PRM, think of it as a partner portal. A lot of your partner portals are, you know, the probably a third-party PRM solution underneath a lot of those. Um, if they're fully integrated. Now, if you just have a content PRM or content partner portal, that's just like a magazine. You open it up and you get information, but there's really nothing uh, you know, interactive with it. So these are very interactive with your backend systems. And so the sales, the sales module, that piece of it, um, deal registration, that's an important, you know, not just the system part of going in and registering a lead, but also the mechanism to make sure that we that we have all the processes in place to control and manage or limit any kind of channel conflict. Particularly if you have multiple partners in your ecosystem, you have to have fairness in that ecosystem. And you get you got to ignore you got to ignore the logo on the business card. Um, you can't you can't differentiate between an HP and maybe a a boutique consulting partner you have to you have to be blind to the logo and and have a system and a process that is fair and equal to everybody and stick to those rules and as long as you do that set the expectation that's on the sales side so that's going to give deal registration it's going to have the 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 channel con the kind of the channel management or operation side of it um, and it's going to give them visibility you know as as they can add notes so you know, if you think in a sales process, of course, the vendor, oftentimes, it depends on the relationship, but the type of partnership, but oftentimes it's either a, you pass a baton to the vendor and they drive it through the sales funnel. You need to know what that is, or sometimes it's co-selling. So if I'm the partner, I need to add notes to the record that might be important to the, uh, you know, to the, to the vendor that's actually, you know, driving the sale. I can go into the PRM solution I say, hey, I talked to the president of the company yesterday, and he said this, this, and this, and it sounds fantastic. That information just becomes just this tribal knowledge that lives outside of your outside of your 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 core system, unless you have a mechanism to to systematically capture it, make that a part of the record in the system on the CRM side internally. Uh, so those things are really important, uh, just from a transparency collaboration perspective. Um, but then you talked about the, the marketing side, uh, that, that's a whole nother animal where, you know, there's, there's standalone marketing solutions that, you know, like a Marketo or, a, uh, they're slipping my mind now. There's a bunch of them out there, but, um, there's a number of those that are standalone, but oftentimes that core functionality can be baked right into some of the more, what I call tier one PRM solutions. And I've got a number of them out there that, that, uh, I've. I kind of favor, if you will. Um, but then the other side of that is the accounting, the back office side. Because at the end of the day, there is in all likelihood going to be some sort of transfer of funds and money in the form of commissions. And you got to have that visibility so that, again, you're going to bury, I can tell you this, accounting people in the, in the payroll department or the back office, they don't want to be getting a thousand calls a day from your partners asking about commissions or what's the status or how much or what's this or this doesn't square up. Um, they don't want that. That's not their job. They're not, you know, they're, they're typically not, you know, customer or client based. They don't like, that's not their role or what they went to school to do. And so 
um, the PRM system provides that accounting visibility so that they can track their commissions. They can reconcile those commissions against the, you know, the reports that are generated out of the system so that they can see, you know, specifically, you know, what they've registered, what's closed. Um, I, I'm just scratching the surface here, Mark. There's just so many different things in there. We could, we could probably have a, a conversation, uh, making a suggestion on a, on another podcast and really dive into a couple PRM solutions that I favor uh, that could be really kind of a fun exploration. I think it'd be very, very helpful for a lot of folks. Yeah, well, whenever I think about PRM, uh, one of the things that come to mind is it's almost like I envision uh, an airport and like all these air traffic, you know, an air traffic controller and they see the radar and they know where all the planes are at. They know their speed, their altitude, and it just keeps everybody organized and the system you don't have to call. You actually can just dig into the system. You dial into the system. You can run reports. You can, you can look at the funnels. You can forecast forward, you know, what your sales are kind of expected to be. But it, it provides all of that visibility. And so many times, you know, I've seen this a thousand times. So many times whenever these, these companies start into the channel sales uh, lane, and if they're not organized, they're not ready, and they're trying to do it, with spreadsheets or or even more manual than that, yeah, man, it is a painful experience, and it rarely ends well. It doesn't. It it just it doesn't end well. Um, and so the other real benefit of the PRM, and and not to overshadow it, because it's easy to get into the the functional components. The real benefit is is the ability to compartmentalize. So. If I've got a sales force, my partner has a thousand salespeople. Well, in a CRM solution, that's opened up that anyone has access to the system internally can kind of see a macro view of everything going on with that partner and see all the deals. The, the benefit of a, of a PRM solution is the filters you can put on that. So if I'm a, a rep for a partner and I go out and I, you know, I brought in I've registered 10 new leads. The value of the PRM system is I only see what I have done and what I'm working on. I don't see what my colleagues, my, my 999 other uh, colleagues in the field have done. So it keeps it in a very controlled focus area so that, you know, and you have different hierarchies. So if I'm a manager uh, or a, you know, partner manager for that relationship on, on the external side, then I can see the macro view depending on, on how the, the partners open that up. But the real value, um, and this is a real pain point, it's really difficult to do even in spreadsheets. Uh, if you're doing it manually, you get a spreadsheet. Well, you can't do a spreadsheet for every single individual. And so how do you, you know, now you have to go in and do all the crazy filtering and different things. Now you gotta hire six people to manage the spreadsheets. <laughs> right, it just doesn't work. And so that's, that's probably the biggest benefit aside from all the features and functionality and modules is the ability to compartmentalize and filter uh, information so that an, an, an individual can see precisely what they've done and not get clouded with all the other uh, kind of things going on at, at the at the broader level of the partnership. Yeah, Greg, I love the, the idea of, of including a podcast where we talk a little bit about different PRM systems specific you know systems that 
that would be recommended, maybe comparison, contrast, what's similar, what's different. So yeah. we'll definitely have to knock that out in the future. We'll put that on the list. I baited the hook for that one, but I've got some good ones out there that I, that I like and some that, uh, uh, you know, depends on where you are in your process. You know, budget budget drives some of it, but it, you know, in the bigger picture, you have to factor those things in. So love to have a conversation on that. I think it's so critically important. It is the foundation. I just don't think you have this conversation without it. No. And uh, so, yeah, so the, the topic that we, we launched with today was talking about how do we operationalize partnerships. So I also want to share another little piece. So part of the partneronomics framework that we have, uh, we have a, a model called the Strategic Partner Leadership Model. We call it SPLM. And it's a six-element model of, you know, so beyond software technology, how do we operationalize partnerships? So once the, the baby's born, once that, then once that contract's signed, and now it's time to get results, how do we operationalize it and what is a framework? And so we're also going to grab a, a podcast in the future and talk about the SPLM framework and, and how people can use that as a tool. Oh, uh, you know this. I love the SPLM fr uh, framework. That's uh, uh, you and I've talked a lot about that and, and been through uh, some of your courses on that. So, boy, it just lines up perfectly. Um, love to have that conversation. It's uh, uh, again, those are just essential components. They're they're things. If you don't do these things, and in many cases, it's sometimes linear. I mean, some things can be parallel, but in many cases, there is kind of a linear thought process to how you deploy and execute that one leads into the other and some of them are more philosophical and uh, have a you know maybe a different type of of engagement but uh, really important uh, foundational things that you have to address um, operationally yeah there's no no shortage of topics or uh, of words of wisdom or different experiences to share on this topic that is for sure yeah, well, this is one I'm probably most passionate about just because I, maybe it's because I've lived and I'm living in it uh, at the moment and I've lived in, in, the, uh, in the moment for many, many years uh, and I've seen this. So i um, very, very passionate about this uh, topic. So I, I appreciate you letting me uh, chime in on it. Oh, man, I, I, it's, it's awesome. I love that's what it's all about is just sharing, sharing that knowledge so other folks don't have to stub their toe or beat their head against the wall as well. So Greg, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for, uh, for sharing your insights. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Looking forward to the next one. All right. Until next time, that's been another episode of the Partnernomics Podcast. Hope you guys have a great week. Partnernomics Podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics Podcast, visit Partnernomics.com.